And we're rolling. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to do that. I don't know if I've seen you do that in person. You re- look really radio, radio-y. Uh, I don't even know what. How are you? Rolling. How does one look, know that they look really radio-y? That's a really good point. I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, it's us. We thought that we should do some form of introductory, not introductory, introducing episode, like who we are, how we got here, because we didn't really do that. Or like weight and, and height. No, no weight. That's, uh, we, don't, we don't need to get into Hair uh, color, eye color. Uh, you want to see our IDs. Um, <laughs> I live at, no, sorry. Yeah, don't say that. Um, I'll get a lot of fan mail, probably. <laughs> We won't, or we will. You will. <laughs> I don't think I will. Um, I lost my train of thought because that's what David does to me. Choo choo. I think when we started, our friend put it really well. We figured that uh, everyone who was listening to us knew who we were already, but now maybe we're super famous. Yeah, we're so famous. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true anymore. Um, do you want to talk about yourself first, or? Mm. Hmm. I don't know about that. It's too much. Um, I can ask you yeah. pointed questions. Yeah, ask me want. pointed questions and then I'll divulge right. so you're here deepest, darkest secrets. At Village ever. Free School, literally in that room right now. I think you've said you work here before, I work so here. everyone knows that. I sit um, at this table <laughs> often and I look at memes often. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's actually very accurate. Uh, <laughs> How and they pay you how much? How did you, <laughs> <laughs> how did you come to be involved in self-directed education? Like, how did you find out about it? How did um, you get here? There's a, obviously a long answer, short answer to this. I'll say the short answer, which is like the most direct, uh, explicit way, is I was working at a school, at an elementary school in Portland, and this person came in who worked as a, a substitute teacher. And she, um, her name's Justine. She also works here. Um, and she was like, you're cool. Uh, you seem chill. Can I tell you about the place I volunteer at? And I'm like, sure. I'm, that's literally not verbatim. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> there was more to it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So she's like, yeah, you know, I believe in autonomy of kids more. I don't know how he wasn't even introduced. I think one of the most uh, interesting things that she did was that the kids were like, can we sit on the table? And she's like, yeah. And I, at that, the school? At she the school. That? Yeah, it was in the classroom. I was like, that kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, of course they could sit on. Like, I think that's when the first thing, like, um, just my thought process was like changed right away. I was like, of course, uh, this is what you can do in real life. Tables aren't just meant to be like, you know, you put your hands on and start writing, whatever, you know, it's just like, like just the total flip of like the rules and how you should appear at a table versus what you can do. Mm. And so I, I, that's all she had to do in a way. It's like, of course you can sit at the table, you know, you can do whatever you want right now. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I, that's my belief system. Um, but um, 
she was like, we were talking about it. She tells me about self-directed education, autonomy, conflict resolution, probably. I don't know. I don't really remember. It was like five years ago, <laughs> six years ago. And she's like sending me books. She um, she let me borrow Summerhill probably, or I or I read it somewhere. Uh, I tried reading the Paolo Freire or whatever. Pedagogy of the oppressed. Yes, I tried, but it was dense. Translation is a little rough too. I think I don't speak Portuguese. Yeah. Um, so. Um, but I got this general synopsis. It's kind of funny because I was just sitting in like the break room and the the como se dice. Uh, the principal was like, oh, you're reading that. It's a great book. I'm like, but have you considered it <laughs> in my head? You know, whatever. Um, so, so yeah. So I, I kind of, I was like, yeah, uh, this is great. This is some, and I sort of started applying it um, in the school setting. I started to care less about what I should do. Um, this was already like my second year at the school. And I started to kind of like what actually is important. And through that and through like um, realizing that I was, a, you know, I was a paraeducator, by the way. I wasn't like a... a what do paraeducators do for those of us who never went to school? Um, fuck, I just learned. I just... We had you a, just I learned? Just, <laughs> I just had to research again what the, you know, the quote unquote... Uh, goals of it, but re really, I just deal with uh, kids uh, who have, who don't fit into the system. Mm. You know, um, they behavioral problems, or a lot of trauma, or a lot of learning disabilities. Uh, my kid in particular had a cerebral palsy, mm. uh, wheelchair bound. I had to change him a lot. I had to uh, deal with a, like a, the feeding. Mm -hmm. um, but also I had to like be part of his um, academic growth. Mm. When, the, when the kid like that, it was hard. Uh, as in like you obviously couldn't really, he was, he, he didn't speak. Right. Um, so he had, uh, there was, uh, the, the, the standards were, you know, um, based on what he could do. Um, but there was like a lot of just, he's got to learn how to speak at school. He's got to learn how to read. Um, and it was like nothing really worked until I realized that if we got him away from the teachers and people that like he didn't trust and just, you know, hung out with his friends, he would start speaking a little because he could speak Whoa. at home, you know. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, right. Uh, what is the basis of all life community for human beings? Right. You know, socialization. Right. Feeling comfortable, feeling safe. Got it. All right. Uh, let's just focus on that and forget about this, like, contraption, this, this screen that he has to touch and, like, remember. Because uh, at home, he can say words. He can laugh. You know, at school, his head is down way more. And um, so, you know, I like, again, kind of go back at what what I was uh, <laughs> of how I said that this was a short version. Yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking that a minute ago. Like, <laughs> what was the short part? <laughs> it's fine. Side. Uh, I like the long version. OK, this is funny because uh, we just had a student here, um, the kid here. Uh, they're like, um, you remind me of my rabbi. <laughs> 
And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I ask a question and my rabbi just like goes on long-winded explanation. (laughs) I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's me. Anyway, uh, where was I? Uh, Basically, yeah, I found ways to uh, combine what I had already was reading about Summerhill and some of the other books I can't remember. Uh, It's like it's autonomy. It's about uh, opting in. And more than that, it's about community. So, and, and I feel like you are happiness, happiest when you are in community with people. And I think for me, that really, more than anything, struck a chord and, um, with me. Um, the sense that we are happy when we're, when we're safe with other people. Mm-hmm. So I would, like, take the kid out to do recess when uh, I wasn't supposed to, but I started to get a lot of, like, people started trusting me. They liked me at the school. So I'd take someone like the kids that didn't want to do homework. I'd be like, I'll take them, and we can, they can help me take care of this kid. And, you know, sort of like saying. Subversive. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, you can come and take care of this kid. But really what I was doing was, like, I was getting them out of a situation that they didn't like either. Yeah. Uh, and that worked out a little bit, you know, whatever. But I always felt like I'm in the shadows of this all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. uh, finally, I, uh, Justine was like, I'm going to see if I can get you an interview at my school because you do great and stuff. And uh, sh- long story short, you know, I got interviewed and I got hired. And uh, here I am now. But five years later, five years later, through the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, I think. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking about this now most recently, too, is that the community aspect hasn't escaped me, mm. which is one of the things that I have sometimes an issue with, maybe not with SDE, but with society in general and SDE, mm-hmm. which is very, like, they, they automatically, automatically go for... Uh, because as a society, we're very independent-minded. And so when we think about SDE, we don't automatically think about community. Mm-hmm. First, we think about autonomy first, which is fine. But then I hear about other communities around the world who practice self-directed. And I feel like they're more community-minded. Um, I guess there's more to say about that. I'm not really entirely sure. I don't know. I just saw like a graph. Like couple of weeks ago about uh the least the most independent minded societies oh, yeah. right uh it was like a it's like an education book who knows what standard they're using but anyway it was really interesting because it was like the most community um independent minded societies and it's obviously all western societies and then the least meaning the most community minded or most collectivized uh Societies, and what was interesting is that at the bottom of the list was Guatemala, which is I'm also part Guatemalan. My mom's Guatemalan. The most collectivist. Well, most collectivist was according to this rubric, and they only like had like a hundred countries on there. (laughs) And so obviously that's probably not the you know whatever. Um, But I thought that was interesting, and I kind of I wonder in how I was taught. Uh, especially through my mother and through um, the way we saw things. I don't really consider myself, I'm, I'm like, I'm Mexican-American, Guatemalan, Guatemalan-American, but I don't, I don't really feel like I was 
raised that Mexican-American except through the Chicano lens. If you're Chicano, I think you would understand what I mean. I can go through this later, maybe. Wow, I've been talking a while. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look at that? No, I, I'm not even, I didn't even look at the timestamp, but it's, it's, I can change it. Um, no, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, I'm here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what you're saying, I think you're saying is that like inherently the connection to like community and collectivism was already in you, yeah. but also it sounds like the, uh, piece about autonomy was already like connected to your values. Where do you think that came from? Um, I feel like I was, I don't know, my, uh, I recently like started uh, researching what PDA is, uh, which is pathological path- demand avoidance. Yes, yes, and I feel like I have that. That could be it, but I also know that my dad has it, has that, or like a sense of that. Like I feel like I got it from him. Like the idea of like being told what to do feels really hard, mm-hmm. and so maybe it's just ingrained in me in that mm-hmm. way from like a. Um, you know, genetic standpoint, but, um, also, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just a value system. Uh, I didn't, uh, growing up, yeah. Mm, my parents or family were insistent that I had to do things. And I do remember feeling like a very strong, like feeling not to do them, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I was, I love the idea of opting in, but, um, so maybe that's that's a part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not sure. Real quick, this is maybe my thing. I feel, well, it's a lot of people's things. I feel two ways about diagnosis, diagnoses, yeah. like PDA. Um, go back and listen to our episode with Crystal Farmer to mm-hmm. hear more about that because there's definitely multiple sides to even just labeling yeah. yourself or someone that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know where the PDA kind of like for for instance like ADHD, like disability, autism. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that lies, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say something else, but I don't remember. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why were you in education to begin with? Um. So, it was sort of just uh the default. I was like, okay, okay it's, it sounds, it feels embarrassing to me, but I always just wanted to make music for a living. But mm-hmm. I was born in the 90s or raised in the 90s, early 2000s. And like, it's not feasible, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was like a, some sort of meme. They're saying like, there's tons of memes, really. Millennials were, uh, which I am were sort of promised the world mm-hmm. and uh, and then realizing after they got, you know, especially after the recession, that that doesn't exist. Right. And uh, so having to contend with that, you know, part of me is like, oh, I wish I want, you know, I could do my dream job, whatever. But um, but at the same time, I knew I, I liked the idea of this or education in general. Yeah. Uh, everyone always told me I sounded kind of like not know it all, but I love to like divulge knowledge a lot, whatever. Um, and so it was, it was actually an attractive feel anyway. Um, 
I thought I was going to get into philosophy or sociology and like do teaching, whatever, anyway, as a, as a thing. Um, and also on my mom's side, they're all kind of full of educators too. Yeah. So yeah, I just, okay. yeah. I didn't actually know that about you. I don't think I ever asked. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember if I ever told any anybody much about that. Well, now you told the world. I told the world. Because you're so famous. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we'll be uh, on the Joe Rogan show. Oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. <sighs> you know, mm. DMT. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> Is it your turn? You've got to shake off the <laughs> Joe Rogan <laughs> I think it's my turn. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have a much longer span. You literally were born into it. Yeah. Right? So I was born. <laughs> and then, <laughs> actually, were... first, my dad was born and my mom was born. So did they call it SDE back then? No, hell no. Uh, SDE is a term uh, coined by the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. You Probably guys. not me. I wasn't there. Okay. Um, but yeah, now me, but I wasn't there when they coined the term. How long ago? Maybe eight years ago mm. when they were first incorporated. Yeah. So that's a very new term. And one of the goals, early girl, goals of ASD was actually for that term to catch on. And it did, which is exciting. And terms are flawed. Yeah. Which <laughs> we talk about all the time. Yep. Um, yeah, no, they barely call it unschooling. My dad didn't really have the term unschooling, even though he read John Holt, who I think coined unschooling, probably. I should know this. This is embarrassing that I don't know well, this. Should you? I don't, I mean, I don't actually, I don't want to say some white guy coined a term when it wasn't some white guy. Well, That's fine. Oh, <laughs> like, I see, I see. But I think it was Holt. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad was born. My mom was born. My dad's dad gave him summer hill to read and he actually my grandfather visited summer hill and spoke to as neil way back when um but he died long before i was old enough to talk to him about any of this and he kept my dad in school i think there's i mean jews in the 50s and 60s 40s it it's too much of a risk even if you're like these ideas held yeah. with me it's too much of a risk to be outside of society in any sense um, other than already the ways you're outside of society. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad just decided he never wanted his kids to go to school. And yeah, so my brother was born and did all the bookie things that my dad handed him. Again, my mom went to work and my dad stayed home, which was very weird for the 90s, um, mm. 80s and 90s. But he felt more confident, I guess, homeschooling us at that point. But yeah, my brother just did everything. My dad handed him, no problem, liked book learning. And then my dad tried to do the exact same thing with me and I rejected most of it. <laughs> so I, I think we were like mostly unschooled with like a couple, oh, you gotta write sometimes mm -hmm. and you gotta read mm -hmm. 30 minutes of this history book every week, kind of a thing, like very minimal. Um, and I just refused to do the minimal. Maybe I have PDA too. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's just human for some of us. Yeah. Yeah, I got thoughts about that. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, so I just stopped doing all that and did all the things I wanted to do, and thus we were unschooled. But I didn't really find the label unschooled till I was probably in my 20s. So then I kind of like reverse gave it to myself. It feels like there were a lot of different labels and schools that practically did the same thing and maybe asked me, like, put them all together it's like you're on school and like Sudbury and preschool and yeah like you're already doing this thing but maybe you don't know that there's so many other disparate mm-hmm. groups doing this thing and I think people knew more and more as the internet existed right, right. <laughs> but even even early internet like my dad said it was so hard to find anyone or any community and if you don't have the language to even find the right people he just we went into homeschool meetups and they were all very religious, which mm-hmm. is fine for those people, but it wasn't what we were looking for. So. So what things did you want to do instead of book learning? <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything else. <laughs> I should mention that I do read for fun a lot, yeah. uh, but I can't, I can't read nonfiction. I can only listen to it. I just like glaze over. I, and I think that's so fascinating because I love nonfiction it's and it's, weird. I have a hard time with fiction, but okay. Oh fuck. I already forgot what I was going to ask. Anyway, keep going. You <laughs> said what things do I, did I want to do? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the thing. Sorry if I'm trying to connect too many dots here, but, um, when I think about a lot of our teenagers here at SD, mm. like a lot of them deal with social, like just socializing, just yeah. hanging out. That's Is what that I want what to you do. Want to do? Okay. Yeah. But, I, as I got older, like, I wanted to hang out, but I wanted to hang out while trying every possible new thing I could possibly try. So I did martial arts, and I did theater, and I did swing dance, and I did another martial arts class, and I did a lot of Spanish classes, and I made a Spanish club, and I uh, decided to become a like assistant in the Spanish class because I got too high for our homeschool resource center didn't have very many spanish classes sorry you got too high i got (laughs) yes no i didn't actually get high when i was younger this is what unschoolers do we're asking if anybody is curious i graduated quote unquote from all the spanish classes and then had nothing to do oh i see um So, like, I did a bunch of stuff, but it was also all at this place where all my friends were. And for the most part, I took, like, one class and hung out for three hours and Mm -hmm. took another class and hung out for three more hours. So, yeah, we just hung out a lot. You're almost like the model student, though, in a way. You did everything you wanted to do, yet you did everything every, like, parent or teacher would love their kid to do. But I, and but I didn't do yeah, math and math. history and science and plus writing. Two plus two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of it. My, my brother was like the model for that because yeah. he did all, he was really good at math and computer science and he like self-taught through books and games and yeah. So we were different kinds of model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I took one writing class and I started taking it and I told my dad I didn't like the assignment and I thought it was not a good assignment and he was like yeah you should quit that class that's not not a good writing class so I quit what was do you remember I don't know it was read some novel that everyone (laughs) in school is reading and write a paper on it and I just thought it was silly and my dad agreed (laughs) but he really I yeah he complains a little bit that I was so like rejected everything he gave me but he also set us up to be like that Mm -hmm. he 
Yeah, he said so all, quit when it didn't it's his work. Fault. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He like set us up to argue with him and have our own opinions. So you don't get it both ways. It's kind of how I feel about my parents. Yeah. They like taught me a lot about like don't let anybody tell you what to do. Exactly. Just do your own thing. You're perfect as you are. Then they complain about me, and I'm like, "You're the one that brought me into this world. You yep. taught me all these things, okay? Yeah. Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> it's like, oh, except for me, the parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, Actually, it doesn't work like that. Mm. It's illegitimate authority. Commentary on if you're a parent, think about it that way. <laughs> yeah, if you want an obedient kid, you better teach obedience from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't. And then what? Did you go to college? I did go to college. She went to college first. Children, I know. <laughs> I regret it. I don't regret it. Children of boomers go to college mm-hmm. because boomers went to college for like five bucks a semester, something like that. My it's dad so crazy. literally said it was like 15 bucks or 20 bucks a semester. He'll correct me later. I. It's funny. And side note here my parents are technically boomers. Really? But because they were raised in another country, different society. Right. They don't see it like you all do, right? Yeah. My mom just didn't want me to get killed in the streets and join a gang. Right. Right? Okay, that's the other part of the story. Undocumented immigrants, really poor. That was, you know, please, please don't get into drugs and alcohol. and like, Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So anyway. But American-born. American-born. Boomers. boomers, yeah. Yeah, you go to college because college is what opened all the, the doors for them. It just didn't, it wasn't even like a struggle. It wasn't like I didn't want to go to college or we would think about there was some other way to do it. There there wasn't some other way to do it. My brother gra- graduated in 2008 right after the crash. And he was, you know, back home Damn. because, and he had a computer, computer science degree. It's supposed to be foolproof. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, I mean, he's gotten job since then obviously he's doing great but still not in the basement yeah he's not now i he does live in their house but that's because <laughs> they live here the other crazy part is that it's so normal for to think in like my culture be like i still live with my parents because i take care of them right but yeah anyway yeah and i was saying that i think a lot of unschoolers do live with their parents past 18 because it's an arbitrary number mm-hmm. when you kick out your kids for what reason because legally you can they're done with them right <laughs> they didn't. tired of you tired of trying to tell you what to do and you never do what i tell you you're out <laughs> and then the kids pass on the trauma to their kids and it's a continuous cycle and it's very sad and it's here we are true. this yeah. is rethinking education <laughs> education for you folks uh trauma 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 I do. The one thing about college is that I think college is as close to like co-housing, easy co-housing as you can get without building intentional communities, which can be very expensive. Mm. College is very expensive. But the thing is, you leave your parents' house, you have a place to land, and you're co-housing with a bunch of people. And that's the part of college that I wish we could just recreate for young people Mm -hmm. and all people who wanted to do it. Because I think that's the actual experience that was important. Did you leave at 18 to go to college? Yeah. Okay. You went to prom and never, never just sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to go to prom. We didn't have any prom. <laughs> what prom? <laughs> what, was, what was your degree? <laughs> Let's see if I can remember. I don't remember my degree. Alternative education. Really? Colon, 
Envisioning the creative classroom. Yeah, because I knew that I wanted to work in alternative education. I didn't know self-directed yet. I didn't know what it would look like. I probably more progressive ed was in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I gra- let's color our feelings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to force you to color <laughs> your feelings <laughs> because that is the curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think. What? What? I, d- I don't know what I think. <laughs> I visited Clearwater mm-hmm. in Bothell, which was the closest to my hometown, before I graduated, and I was I asked them if they ever had job openings, and they laughed at me. They're like, "No one ever leaves here." Um, no one, <laughs> <laughs> they must pay well. <laughs> I think they pay okay, considering. Yeah. Um, people do leave there, by the way, but. Maybe they hadn't for a while. Um, Check their site for job openings. But I also thought they were, I don't, I thought they were a little too radical for me at that point. Mm. But I think I wanted to learn more. Um, But I ended up working with young kids because technically early childhood is not like poisoned by the school system yet. Although much of it really is. Mm -hmm. But they don't have, you don't have to respond to curriculum mandates because this it's not state funded Mm. um unless it is (laughs) um but a lot of them are private and you can do different sorts of things with the kids and do what you want because it's not state funded it doesn't Mm -hmm. respond to the state you can honor their autonomy way more because they're kids they're gonna yeah right i mean they're younger yeah yeah yeah, and the parents are like, oh, yeah, you believe in play for my three-year-old? Me too. They're three. <laughs> it's a lot easier. So what would you say is a trajectory? Oh, I, th- I mean, that we've had this conversation before, but remind me, it's been four years. Um, <laughs> um, the tra- trajectory between since, like, this preschool, because you worked at a preschool, and then to here, to executive director oh my gosh. of self the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. It's your radio voice again. <laughs> um, I, I made a hand movement. It was funny to me. Anyway. <laughs> I think the longer I was at the preschool, and I will credit my co-teacher, who I was with there for five years, Cassie. She's wonderful. I'll credit her with a lot of this. The longer I was there, the more I was like, oh, kids deserve trust and autonomy and even these two and three year olds Mm -hmm. they know themselves and we just gotta like support them in the things they don't know about the world because they're two and three but we need to trust them to know Mm -hmm. like what they need um yeah and the longer i was there the more i felt that so i think it was already kind of the switch was flipping i guess Um, and obviously I lived it, so it was already there. I just needed to hear the philosophy and be like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, I went to Aero Conference in Portland in 2016, and I met Peter there, Peter Gray. Um, and I pitched – they were – talking about ASD, this new thing called ASD, what should we do Uh with it, and uh introducing the idea, and I pitched some idea for ASD to Peter, and he was like, great, email me. And I didn't email him, because I was terrified. (laughs) To to our viewers, -viewers, (laughs) non-viewers, listeners, Peter Gray, 
the the one of the founders one of the but wrote the book oh free to learn free to learn yeah yes i think people most people know who peter gray is well the to the new fans (laughs) (laughs) we are more famous than peter so joking (laughs) no am i joking i don't know (laughs) um autistic affirmations uh uh ig page um people know when i'm joking if you get what i'm saying you know what i'm saying that's true we know you're joking Uh, yeah, I waited like three months, four months to email Peter, and then I did, and then I st- went to an ASD meeting, and the rest is history, what they I say. guess. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that was the second I bought into SDE without even realizing. You, you feel like you just started like reading more about it, or is that you just kind of fell in, they like so much information overload? I don't know. I mean, I, pro- I went back and I read my father's old copy of How Children Learn by mm-hmm. John Holt. Um, and I read countless articles of Peter's. And I listened to countless podcasts of Aquila's. Um, yeah, but it already, there was no convincing me. It just was like, oh, yeah. The experience just kind of taught yeah. itself. Yeah. Whatever part of me that thought that was too radical at one point didn't believe that anymore. And I was just like, this is what I believe. And actually, this is what I grew up in. So, of course. This is like the part, like you just kind of spoke on the on the fact that our best teacher is experience. Yeah. Right? That we could like try our best to write persuasive es- essays about all these things and like find the right words but until you experience it and live it mm-hmm. you're never really going to be like convinced of it and um which is interesting um okay so maybe i'll go back a little to my own history about this because now i'm like connecting the dots here like i feel like in my early 20s late teens like how they twisted that around anyway uh, <laughs> I was certainly like very radical like mm. like the most radical you could be like very lefty Che Guevara posters even though I couldn't afford them um, that kind of thing like fight the power you know a lot of rage against the machine and then I ended up but because it was just mostly a belief system uh, which was weirdly um, uh, um influenced by Jesus, of all things. Huh. Maybe I'll get there someday, but I grew up in a very religious home, but Jesus's teachings as literal teachings in the Bible were, are, if you look at them, they're very radical. Anyway, mm-hmm. so that informed my very radical experience or way of belief. But I'm not sure if I had like the experience in community building or being Mostly I was in survival mode. Right. Fight the power, right? Because I was poor. Okay. I enter college and it's a lot about conforming. And um, sure, I found my own self-directed way to do it, but I felt like I became less radical through that. Mm. I started to try to conform to the academic idealisms yeah. and whatnot to... to, to to get the right grade even though i knew i wasn't gonna do well and it wasn't until like i experienced uh working at this school 
this elementary school where like those all like the the um, the theory I used to learn before college and in college too, but combined with the experience of actually living in community with the conflict and struggle of trying to um, keep it together, but also what's the other word? Um, just be in it and enjoy it and thrive in it. Did mm-hmm. I realize that those two things kind of like finally created what I am doing now, I feel. Anyway, so didn't know where I was going with this, but yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, <laughs> 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 So what do you think about that, Brie? Stop with the weird radio <laughs> No, it makes sense. Like, I'm like, just like taking it all in. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just like connecting because you are you grew up in it. Right. From a very individualistic perspective, you enjoyed it. You found things you liked. Right. But it took you through college and to finally like deal with it at the preschool level and like you know what does it mean not just for me but for other people right and that's when you like made quote unquote the switch or something like that it's like I'm gonna do this well and I think it already was in me I think this is where the being an unschooler doesn't necessarily mean you're an advocate for unschooling Mm -hmm. and maybe now it does because we have this language but then we didn't so it's like I didn't even we didn't even know what we were doing we didn't know it was part of a movement or it could be Mm -hmm. um or there were other people doing this too and there was like philosophy and research and all this stuff behind it um and support systems so maybe if i had grown up like i already know what this is Mm -hmm. then i would have already have it would have clicked earlier but i just knew i didn't want kids to suffer in schools right so i already felt that way i just it wasn't quite sure what that looked like Mm-hmm. it's funny I feel like we are I mean we're here doing this but we're definitely have from very different trajectories yeah that's and what just I was sort thinking. of like yeah yeah anyway something to ponder but it is very true no matter how much stuff you read or how many people reassure you or whatever it is you're not gonna really feel it and believe it until you experience it Mm -hmm. and I remember telling parents this in something we were doing where they kept being like but when what if my kid doesn't learn to read and when will my kid learn this math thing and when will my kid be able to apply for a job like what if they can't and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember feeling good about how I said it. I was like, I can sit here and reassure you and tell you that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe it's going to be okay, but that's because I've done it. Right. And I know from my experience that's going to be okay. And you will know from your experience that's going to be okay, but you have to sit through that and let the experience happen because mm. you're not going to know for sure until it's already happened. And that's community. Say more I, I, about that. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like, I mean, we're 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 the only ones that can go through an experience, right? But community is being there for you, like, right? Yeah, you, know? you need people there for you while you're going it's not, through it. It's not it. reassurance. It's uh, I'm here, standing, and I'm going to. You go through this, and I'm going to see you when you come out of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I cannot convince you. 
but you'll know. Right, <laughs> like you right. just have to be willing to accept that it's unknown right now. It's the Western com- uh, conference, the Western thinking to think that we can convince only through logic and yeah. and debate and and all this stuff. Where it's like, no, we all have to come sort of through the fire of it, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't really know. Um, yeah. And we're so used to being like, no, there's answers, there's uh, science for all this. It's like, actually, at the end of the day, you're just going to have to go through it alone. Yeah. But we're here. Also, yep. not <laughs> totally alone, but, you know, we're, on, we're out here. We'll catch you when you, when you fall, which you will. <laughs> we had this ramp. We had stairs, too, but we never went down the stairs at the preschool I worked at. It was this long ramp. You know, it was mm-hmm. for wheelchair accessibility, but the kids went down it. Every day we were like, if you run down this ramp like that, you will fall. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Like, we could tell them that. They're still running down the ramp until they fall. And they they fall. They're two and a half. You are falling when you're, like, bolting down a ramp. And then they got it. And I'm, I'm not saying I want the kids to get hurt. Obviously, we tried to explain it to them and support them in it. And inevitably, they're going to – some of them need to – feel it and they're gonna fall <laughs> there was this same thing it literally almost you reminded me there's like i don't know i just kind of made a joke about it but it's like i feel like there's some kids who learn by face planting and there's other kids who learn by watching other kids face plant. yes <laughs> and i <laughs> or adults too yeah. like i face plant <laughs> And it's funny, my son watches people face I'm definitely the watcher. I'm definitely the watcher. Um, Though I have, like, yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. But you need both. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just imagining you face planting. And I'm sure I have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are wrapping up, maybe? Yeah. Anything else you want to share? I mean... There's so much in um, that could say, we, we could both say, I yeah. guess. Um, but then pain would resurface. <laughs> Trump. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of curious about this thread of, and we probably have to interview more people, like, how did you get here? But this mm-hmm. thread of, like, some people are introduced to SDE and they're like, hell no. Uh huh. And some people, it just feels... Like, it was always part of them. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what the difference is. What's the difference between someone who's thinking, hell no, that's so outside the realm of whatever I would believe in, and someone who's like, that's always what I've had in me. I get it now. It connects with me. Maybe it's the difference between those that are face-planted and those that <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I have experienced... Um, I mean, I feel, I don't know, there's definitely, I don't have an answer to this, obviously. I just, maybe it has something to do with those who are more risk averse mm. versus those that are, are not. And they have made mistakes and learned. And then they're like, yeah, it's always, uh, yeah, maybe it's risk. But where does risk, where does this risk averse phenomenon right. start? Um we may never know, folks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a question that has yeah. an answer. Or one answer. It could be lots of things. But I've always been curious about that. Because you can see the difference when people talk about their stories of how they got here. I do find it really interesting that the people that come through the door here, some of them are just like, 
I get it. Mm-hmm. And almost makes me like not trust it. It's like, oh, you get it? <laughs> are you Because sh- uh, sure? I feel like I've <laughs> met a lot of people that just are, they're going to have way too many questions for me and I'm going to get really tired. But damn, that's cool if you do get it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, would I be that person at one point in my time, uh, at my, you know, one point in my life? Certainly I mean, probably were, was right? in my college years. Yeah. Which, side note, like, I still haven't figured out how to remove the trauma of, because I, I did sociology mm-hmm. as a major, and I can't read books as much as I used to. I used to, like, devour them. Yeah. Uh huh. That's, that's one of the things I kind of miss the most. Yeah. I stopped reading when I went to college. Yeah. I started faking reading just to do assignments because that's what you do, but I stopped really reading. I have to really force myself to finish a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe I have to like unpack all of that, uh, decolonize it in a way. Yeah. What is reading? You know? I don't know. Yeah. But I feel like I'm still learning so much, so I don't feel too bad about it. But if you enjoyed it and you missed the enjoyment of reading. I just get, I, I miss the getting lost in it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I could, I could say all kinds of things like, oh, I'm, you know, just Instagram too much. The meme culture is like taking over my life. Which maybe it has. Have you seen how many memes I post? It's almost <laughs> at a desperate level. Um, but yeah, I do miss getting lost in it. Um, I, I, I did enjoy nonfiction a while, you know, a long time ago. So nonfiction or fiction? Sorry, fiction. Yeah. 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 Have a baby. And do contact naps, because that's how I learned to read again, because you were stuck. If anybody wants to send me a Kindle, I'm open to it. Thank you very much. I actually have an extra one. Really? Yeah. D- maybe this should be off air. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, before we get into my... Uh, all right, people. Before we get into my um, giving David a Kindle, <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to say in. goodbye. <laughs> I Any hope you've enjoyed thoughts? our um, this, whatever this yeah. is. Yeah, getting yeah. to know us, I guess. Yeah. David still has to do some intro music, so. Oh, For fine. now, he's just going to sing you out. I'm going to do like a very, like, a, the worst one I can make, <laughs> and I'm just going to end it here. It's like beep, 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 beep. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>